now I just don't have the. Okay, there we go. All right, perfect. We are live. All right, great. Uh, it's 6.30. Well, the 6.30 Strength to Thrive discussion podcast slash conversation with David and Andrea. Strength to Thrive, where we're looking at various issues and talking topics of what's going on in our minds, what's going on in the minds of our clients to help them look, move, and feel better using mindfulness, awareness, Reiki, meditation, fitness, nutrition, and health. Basically, essentially, we're trying to help our clients live optimized lives by being more present and being more optimized. And then today, uh, Andrea and I have a special guest, Z, who is one of Andrea's previous success stories. Hi, Z. Hi. <laughs> she's going to hop into the conversation whenever it's relevant or whenever there's some sort of perspective that she thinks will be beneficial to contribute to our conversation or whenever we decide that we want to bring, we want to rope Z into this. So I think that'll be great. In today's conversation, I believe we want to primarily discuss one of the articles, Andrea, you, you put out on your website. And I believe the title is, it came out yesterday on 420. The title is, What Are You Choosing Today? Yes, that is that, I really like this because I think it really drills down into how much, how much power we give ourselves over the choices that we make, right? Like, for example, I, I chose to wear this hat. And it look, <laughs> you look so good in it. <laughs> exactly. And, I really, and you let off with this quote. I, don't, I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Steve Maraboli? I hope so, too. I don't know how to pronounce this Gotcha. All right. Well, I think, it's, I think it's a very poignant, appropriate quote. It says, life doesn't get easier or more forgiving. We get stronger and more resilient. Mm -hmm. it's, I, think, I think that's great. It's very similar to a quote I – do you know who Vince Lombardi is? Yes. I think Vince Lombardi once said, it's not about how many, it's not about how many times you get knocked down. It's about how many times you get up. It seems like Z is also familiar with it because she's shaking her, she's nodding her head. <laughs> I, I think I think we're going to talk about the power of our choices and the content of this article that you have. Yes, yes, thank you. And you know what? I just like I've been thinking about this a lot, and I've and I've known that you know I'm, I've been teaching it and I've been studying it. But yesterday, and I want to share this with you because it really brought things back. So it really brought, you know, me to the moments that I realized these have been the moments that I have been training for, for all these years. So, so yesterday morning, um, like on Monday mornings, I facilitate the mindful morning meditation and mindfulness exercises for the Yonkers Library. And so right after I finished the program yesterday, I got a call from Germany from my brother. And my brother said to me, don't get upset, but Papa had a high fever and he was brought into the hospital. So first thing, of course, in the times that we're living in, all alarm bells ring. My, my dad, you know, I call him Papa, has a lot of health issues. He's been living in a nursing home for two years. So he is one of the most at high risk candidates for this virus. And then my brother said, you know, you know, in addition to the high fever, he also had some coughing and they, they, we're gonna know by tonight if he has the virus or not. I took the news fairly calm and I was just like, and I was in the middle of cleaning the cat litter and then all of a sudden my mind started to hijack me and tears started to come into my eyes. And I was the first thought, it's ridiculous, you know, was just like, oh my God, what if I cannot go to the funeral? That was the first thing that I thought. 
And I'm just like, hold on. We don't even know what we're dealing with here. Just keep doing what you're doing, what's right in front of you, which was scooping the cat litter and putting that back. And then I just realized, you know, breathe, take a breath, calm down and just assess, you know, what do you know? What's going on? Do you need to worry right now? And then after I went through the steps, I knew I don't have to worry. And I, and I really, okay, what can I do to keep myself bringing back to this reminder not to worry and not go into the spiral of energies of what if and what ifs and just go completely crazy and deplete my energy totally for the rest of the day. And, and this was when you real, realized because it's very, the mind is very sneaky because you think you have a moment and you, you find yourself in safety and all of a sudden it hits you again. It's very cunning. And so I had to be like hyper vigilant yesterday, but I, I did it, you know, and I, I, I stayed calm. I wasn't upset. I didn't cry. I didn't, I didn't fret. I slept fairly well, actually. You know, I didn't get the news. This, and then I got the news this morning, you know, he doesn't have the virus. And, you know, just imagine what a mess I would have been without my practice, without the skills, without the awareness to catch myself the tools to bring myself back. And this is a choice that I made yesterday. And I'm so grateful that I did. And I had to keep returning to that choice. I'm, I'm sure many of your friends, your family members, and, and can relate to what I'm about to say, but I'm glad it came out negative and I'm glad things are, have smoothed over for the better for now. Right? It seems like Lady Fortune has looked favorably upon, you know, upon your father for, for the time being. Yeah, that I'm sure that's that's harrowing because right now that's that's all the rage. This COVID nineteen thing, this respiratory illness. We still don't have we don't have a vaccine. We don't know if we're making any headway into this vaccine or not. And I'm sure there are plenty of people out there who are who are look watching the updates of the numbers. They're saying, well, how many people are affected? How many people are dying? How many people are recovering? And it's evident. I think you know, at least based off of the activity off my Facebook feed, my social media feed, less people are putting up posts on COVID-19 on an incessant basis now. Good. And I think, I think the, the social media activity is starting to go back to what it used to be, right? Talking about stupid things and posting random dumb memes, a lot of cat memes. <laughs> If you ever want to smile, which is one of the three steps that you have, I know I'm jumping ahead of right here. If you ever yep. want to smile, look at a cat meme, right? <laughs> how cat, about how cats are always having this internal dialogue with themselves about how their masters and humans are so stupid that they're just taking advantage of us. <laughs> like using, using really an, an expensive chair as a scratching post, you know, one of those things. <laughs> I don't know if you're a cat person, Z. Andrea was just telling me earlier about how one of her cats is using her really fancy chair as as a scratching as a scratching post of course yes they know they know exactly the one thing you don't want them to go to and they proceed to claim it as theirs i have two cats of my own <laughs> oh my gosh but uh, yeah i know that um yes what i don't know if you wanted to continue the discussion i just but i wanted to ask a question like why do you, you know, what do you think holds people back from, or do you, what do you think is the, uh, maybe percentage is the wrong word, but like in terms of like proportions or ratio or in terms of your experience working with people, how difficult do you think people find it to actually feel in control of their choices and their decisions 
Oh, the majority is struggling. Uh, they, they, it's struggling. So, and I think now even more so because we live in this time of fear and there's this fear we are in the soup of fear. You know, even if we are, you know, controlling our, our media and our social media intake, but it's just the times and the uncertainty that we're living in. And then just like now, everybody walking around with masks outside, you know, you're afraid of touching surfaces, you know, now that the, the, the virus is, you know, it's, it's like we're, we're battling this invisible enemy. And, and it causes a lot of anxiety. And when we are in this constant stress response, you know, when we are in this constant fight or flight response, because this is what we are in now, right now, everybody is in extreme survival. Every decision that we make, everything that we need to do, every trip to the grocery store is, is, is a survival move. And when we are in the state of constant survival and fight or flight, the biochemistry, what is happening internally has us hijacked because we cannot think clearly, we cannot think calmly, we cannot make a choice because we are trapped in, I gotta survive, I gotta survive, I gotta survive. And from a health and fitness perspective, being in that constant state of fire flight where anxiety is up, the stress hormones, adrenaline and cortisol up, that, that depresses the immune system from a physiological standpoint. Totally does. Right. And then if we're talking about a respiratory illness that does hijack our immune system and, and in some cases, in a lot of cases, actually, there's a deadly complication called uh, the cytokine storm where it's not necessarily the, the virus that, that hurts people. It's the body's own immune system. Yes. And you know what, you know what virus I find more contagious than a virus itself actually is the fear virus. Yeah. And, and, yeah. this is, and this is this is why I was thinking, you know, and this is why it's so we have to be so vigilant. We are fed this fear. This fear is in every particle that we're breathing in. It's everywhere we turn, you know, so that's why we have to be hyper, hyper vigilant and be really aware and really be tuned in and you know in touch with ourselves and our senses so that we know that this is how i feel when i am in a fear response and a stress response and i need to get out of this and this is how i feel when i'm relaxed and when i'm calm when i don't have that knowledge i cannot discern and speaking to that point i don't know if you you probably knew this which is why which is why you're probably so successful at what you do but, the, but there's, you know, research, at least this would probably be more salient to people who may not know, but there's research showing that when people are more anxious, especially when they have this COVID-19 thing, then the risk of them suffering from more complications or extending the length of the disease is, act, is much higher. And I'm sure this doesn't just apply to COVID-19. This applies to cancer, I'm sure. This applies to other illnesses where if depending on your state of mind can affect the prognosis of the disease as well. And I'm, and I'm sure. Absolutely. And I always say, you know, energy goes where the attention goes. What do I focus on? Do I focus on the positive? Do I raise my vibration or do I focus on the negative and set my energy and then really lower my vibration? Right. And yes. And that really influences, you know, your whole ecosystem. And your, right. and your immune system, as you said, you know, there have been studies. And I, think, and I think this is where you and I are trying to bridge the gap where 
I'm, I'd look at things more from a physical physiological standpoint. What can my clients do in terms of exercise, in terms of managing their, uh, managing their stress, in terms of what to eat to improve, in this case, their, their emotional mental health. And you're looking at things from a more spiritual, spiritual side, like soulfulness. What can I do for my clients to help them tap into more inner peace, to reduce their anxiety, to, to manage their depression so that they can have better emotional and mental health. And I think when, I think when those two worlds mesh, that's when people, that's when people benefit from vibrant health. That's when they feel more positive. That's when having higher vibrations become more effortless. And I think, I think being more aware of your choices and doing these three steps that you discussed in your article where you notice becoming aware of what you're feeling and where your attention is directed. Then you shift, you bring your attention to the present moment because I think, especially when people are anxious, I'm sure a lot of people are thinking about the future. Oh, absolutely. Right. Somebody's sick. They're going to think about, well, what's going to happen to my family? What's going to happen to this or what's going to happen to that. Right. Then what you want, if you know, if you're physically capable of doing so move your body, right? Shake things off for 90 seconds if you can, if you're physically able to do it. And then number three, smile for 20 seconds. So you can rewire. This is the third step. You know, you enjoy the positive emotion of joy, gratefulness, and love for 15 to 30 seconds, right? And this is scientific. If even if, you know, there's that saying, fake it till you make it. And, but I'm, but it's scientific. I think I, I can't cite any studies, but people's people say that when you, even if you fake smile, you eventually fall into that emotion. You eventually fall into that pattern. Absolutely. That's why it takes 20 seconds. There have been studies. And it only takes 20 seconds to change your mind, uh, to change your energy, you know, to change, to shift, to shift your emotion. You know, when you feel really crappy, you know, and then you smile for 20 seconds, you cannot feel crappy anymore. Right. Because, you right. know, the brain cocktails, you know, the, the neural cocktails, they just start, you know, doing their job. And it's so simple, but, you know, we have, we have to know it and we have to be aware of it, you know, and it may feel very silly in the beginning, you know, but it is, it is really so easy. You know, when you think about it, if you want to shift something, 90 seconds is not a lot of time, you know, right. you know, just, you know, move around, do things, you know, just redirect things, just redirect is about redirecting your attention, re getting out of that funk, getting out of where you're stuck whatever it is that you need to do during those 90 seconds, you know, and then just realize and then smile and then, and then just bask in that positive emotion. And what we want, you know, the rewiring doesn't happen after doing it once. You have to repeat it over and over and over and over again. But what it does is also it helps us to become aware. And then I always say, you know, we create a little bit of more space in our minds so that we can catch ourselves so that we can notice, oh, I'm contracting now. I'm starting to get tense and stressed. You know, and my the bodies the bodies are always letting us know when we are getting out of the flow, when we are getting into protective mode. You know, that's usually when we tighten. Now, when that's very that's really interesting, right? Because that's uh, what I guess what you're explaining is some of the more reactive processes of the body, right? So now, what if you want to be proactive? You said you know, move your body, shake things off for ninety seconds. The 90 second thing is that, do you find that's an average or do you think that the number can be driven down lower as when people practice more? I think so. It can be, I think it can be lower when people practice more. 
So because when they did, you know, when they catch themselves, you know, hence the reviving process of catch myself, oh, I'm going to shift the attention now. And then mm -hmm. you can maybe, you know, shift your attention internally through your own discipline instead of having to have an external stimulus. And have you ever met anyone who have, they've caught themselves, but they can't help themselves? Meaning, oh, you know, yeah. they, like what, what about those people who, you know, they are aware they're going down the wrong path, but it's like the brakes aren't working. Oh, they are stuck where they are. And this is the funny thing too, because they're scared and they rather be in the discomfort where they are, even though they know that's not good, but they're so scared of trying something else that they that everything inside of them is like screeching and it's like i don't want to do this and they come up with all the excuses and with everything and then all the resistance and then they get even more tired and then until they're totally worn out and they just have no choice but to surrender and but to give in but yes it is really about you know are you how will it is again we, we talk about this a lot david it's about it's willingness is one thing and it's great when you're willing but if you are not ready then it's it's such a hard struggle yeah i think this is kind of where the rubber meets the road for me too because i i guess in in the stages of contemplation right or the stages of transformation there there are five particular stages a lot of people are stuck between like stages one two and three where stage one is somebody's not really when it comes to change, somebody's not really thinking about change. When it comes to health and fitness, maybe somebody's not really thinking about losing weight. It might pop into their mind every once in a while, depending on their environment. Let's say they've seen a friend they haven't seen in 20 years, and they look great. It's like, oh, wow, they, they, they lost a lot of weight. Then they might look down at themselves, and for a moment, they might think that they want to lose weight. A lot of people are, a lot of people are between that and the stage where they're thinking about it, right? So they're thinking about it, and a lot of times they might be thinking about it while eating something they shouldn't be eating. So when I work with people, especially in the beginning stages where we're just trying to change some basic habits, like drink, drink a little bit more water, or maybe if you go out to eat, maybe not have something that is so high in calories and that's going to make you feel like crap, right? Even though a lot of people might understand some of the repercussions. So then my thing is, well, how do I get my clients to at least very similar to what you're saying right here, being aware of what they're doing and stopping, right? And then how can we shift? How can we shift their mindset? And when you said there's a difference between willingness or willing and being capable, right? A lot of what I'm finding a lot with my clients is that they're capable, they're just not willing. So then if that's the case, one question I try to get my clients to ask a lot when they're stuck in a situation that it might not be favorable is, do you, you know, do you know what the outcomes are going to be for this? You maybe like the immediate outcomes, like, okay, if I eat these French fries, I might not feel so great. I'm probably not going to lose weight if I eat these French fries. All right. Well, do you want that outcome? And a lot of my clients say, well, I don't really want it, but I want the French fries right now. And for me, I'm trying to ask them logical, rational questions. Do you want these French fries? If you eat these French fries, what do you think is going to happen? Well, I'll probably gain weight. I probably, well, I definitely, I probably won't lose the weight that I want. Right. But they're probably like, like you probably what you've experienced with your clients, they come up with emotional rebuttals to logical, lo logical questions. And I think that's really, that's, I think that's really difficult to reconcile. But I think if we can figure out ways to get our clients to get off 
off the emotional track and onto the logical track, they're going to be so much, especially when it comes to making choices and battling anxiety and depression. I think the quicker we can get on the rational track, the better off we'll be in the future. You know, I think it comes down to two things that I've seen from my work, David. Uh, One thing, how painful is the pain point? (laughs) <laughs> yeah. How bad yeah. is pain point? You know, am I am I facing a life threatening illness right now? Is my time finite? You know, that's one big, very big pain point that gets your attention right away. Or motivation? What is your goal? You know, it's like okay, is it there? Okay, I want to lose weight, but why? Why do I want to lose weight? You know, but I want I want to go to this high school reunion, and I want to look, you know, drop that gorgeous so that I can really show all my haters. How great I turned out, you know, so it really depends, you know, really depends, you know, you know, how big is the pain point and what is the, what is the motivation? What is the motivation that is carrying me stronger than the immediate satisfaction of eating the French fries, you know, when I know this is where I want to be in six months. Right. And what about this situation? How does, how would, you know, how would placing more importance on our immediate decision-making help us with our current situation where, you know, we are self-quarantined. And like you said, in the beginning of this talk where anxiety is so much higher and it almost feels as if, you know, what, what's the point, right? You know, that's the thing that is, that is the, it, it, you know, what it all comes down to. We talk about this a lot too, David. Discipline. Yeah. To discipline, how disciplined are we? It's okay if I want to be my pajamas for one day, all day long. If I do this for a week, hmm, the whole month now, not so good, maybe. Yeah, exactly. And it's kind of like that the air of uncertainty, too. I think air, the air of uncertainty or what our future might look like kind of muddies the whole, muddies the water, right? Because at least for me, I know. Some of my clients had particular goals before all this popped off. And now that we're self-quarantining, they've had to shift gears. Their goals had to change. They, maybe they haven't completely abandoned their goals of weight loss. But now their, goals, now their goal is just to maintain and not go crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But then the thing is, you know, again, you know, why did they want to lose weight to begin with? Is it for their health? Is it for, right. for their self-esteem? Is it for their... You know, for, for, for what, again, what is the motivation of the pain point? <laughs> we can keep the goal, right? The goal can be, at least for them, this is the way I frame it. Like I ask them, hey, is it still, is it still important for you to lose 15 pounds? Like, yeah, I still want to lose 15 pounds. It's not like I don't want to lose 15 pounds anymore because it's not like just because this pandemic happened that I'm 15 pounds lighter. I still want to lose these 15 pounds. It's like, okay, well, why don't we shift the, out- why don't we shift what our perceived outcome the 15 pound weight loss is going to be for example if originally you want to lose 15 pounds because you want it to be light for your reunion well now your reunion probably got canceled what if we want to lose 15 pounds because we want to just feel better about ourselves in our own skin right but here's the battle here's the battle it's it's it all comes down not a spiritual question here it all comes down to self-worth and self-love yeah how much do i care for myself about myself how much do I value myself, this physical form, um, to take care of myself this way and to invest in myself, you know, not, not, you know, invest the time, the energy, the financial resources, the time, that what it all comes down to. Yeah. 
No, I think I think that's fantastic because especially since you know, that's that's aligned with strongly with what I usually tell my clients. Like my clients, they come to me. I'm a personal trainer. I help them transform their bodies. Right? I help them transform their bodies. I'm not the one doing the work. You are. So I'm just helping you. I'm your guide. I'm your advisor. I always tell my clients like before, you, in order for you to most effectively transform from the neck down. You have to transform from the neck up first. It's the hardest though. It's the hardest. It's the hardest because your brain kind of, you got your brain and your mind, right? Your brain controls your actual physical, but your mind controls a bunch, so many other things. And that mind, I told you, and this is why I use this word hijack because that mind is hijacking us all the time. And we have to train our mind, you know, and this right. is the practices like mindfulness and meditation. They buy us time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, it's like, I'm not in control of my mind, but at least I can become aware of what it tries to do. And I find it so comforting because some of my mentors and my teachers who've been practicing their spiritual practices rigorously for 40 years, they, they also get down the spiral, you know, they also still get angry. They also get self-doubt. They also, you know, they, they also act very human, but you know what? After half an hour, an hour, however long, they pull themselves back. And the difference is when we have a practice, a spiritual practice, meditation, mindfulness practice, it doesn't mean that we are immune to these situations, you know, or that we are infallible. It just means that we notice things and that we get out of these funks so much quicker. That's the only difference. Mm-hmm. Because if anybody tells you that we're not going to experience this, you know, that we don't experience sadness, anger, anger, worry, despair, you know, helplessness, hopelessness, all these, all these very frustration, all these very painful human emotions, they're lying to you. Unless they are in a monastery somewhere and have been there since they were a kid and are meditating 20 hours a day. But most of us people don't, and we are not this way. So the only thing is really that we develop a skill set. This is what this is. It's a skill set. It's like riding the bike, mm. you know, that we have that. And then I know, oh, this is what I feel this way now, or this is what I can do now. And then I get out of it quicker without far less damage. Right. Kind of like the saying where, you know, even, even if you're a master, you're still human. Oh my goodness. Absolutely. And this is the thing, you know, because, you know, the, 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 the mastery, what, 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 what does mastery mean? Mm-hmm. You know, this is why also, you know, in my case, you know, when, when, when people are trained, you know, in the third level of Reiki, you know, they call themselves Reiki masters. And I don't like that title for myself, you know, because I'm still learning every day. I'm still a student. It takes a lifetime of practice to reach mastery. So my teacher, my teacher is a ma- my teachers are masters, you know, or the, you know the founder of the practice is definitely a master. But I'm just a student walking on that path. Mm-hmm. You're a student for life, a student oh, of life, and a student for life. Absolutely. And also, it's uh, what what I was gonna. I think, especially, you know, when it comes to some of the examples you were you were stating, I can't really speak for them, but I can speak for myself, and I can speak for other personal trainers. Is, it's less about knowing exactly what to do, at least you know, to lose weight or whatever, and more about, okay, how do, we, how do we manage our expectations and how do we recover from failed expectations? Because those are usually the biggest missteps, right? And how do we show up for ourselves? Yeah, and I, 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 tell people, I tell people, you think, 
I mean, I think it's so much easier, or at least basically from what I've seen, it's so much easier to, to sprint a weight loss goal. A lot of people, many people can, you know, really hunker down and, and be disciplined for 30 days, right? A lot of people can get rid of all the junk food in the house for 30 days. Even then, many people still find that very difficult. Imagine how difficult it is to maintain that for 40 years and maintain that level of discipline, the willpower and the mastery over your own emotions and recovery. It's like people think that the beginning is the hardest part. It's actually maintaining it, which is why research shows that people who are losing weight at two years, over 90% of the people who embarked on their weight loss journey regained the weight back, have a really difficult time keeping that weight off. Yeah. Which also, yeah, which also explains, you've heard of the show, The Biggest Loser? Oh my God, yes. Yeah. So out of all of those seasons, at, you know, according to an article that was written by one of the contestants, she was one of the, she was one of the very few successful contestants who was able to keep her weight off. Out of all, all the seasons, I think, and there were, these were, there were hundreds of contestants, yes. maybe less than 10 people were able to keep their weight off. Really? After the show, yeah. Yeah, because they're dealing with real life, right? That's the thing. They don't live in that controlled environment anymore. And they don't have the support of each other and of those trainers because once real life hits us, you know, it's like it's right. very tough. It's the same thing with our spiritual practice. You know, I see there were people, you know, to take classes with me and they're so excited and they're just so happy, you know. But the real test is, you know, can you sit down every day for half an hour and do your practice? Right, right, right. And, I mean, when I think about it that way, when I think about what you're saying, sitting down for practice for half an hour in the grand scheme of things isn't so unrealistic. It might take a little bit of practice, but it's not so unrealistic. It is a realistic and practical, practical choice. But if we were to kind of somehow tie in what a lot of people do where they go too hard, too fast, like the biggest loser, they're not, they might be making the choices, but they might not be making the appropriate choices and they're not being aware of what's actually going on which makes sustaining a particular practice that much more difficult. Oh, and I see this also with spiritual practice, especially like spiritual practices like Reiki. You know, people think they can take all levels in a very short period of time consecutively because they think the more they are trained, the better they are, the more powerful they are. Yeah. What about that? It's about really sitting down on your butt and doing your practice. This is what this is about. But this is what people don't want to do because it's not exciting. It's not fun. You know, it's boring. It may bring up all your stuff. You know, of course, it's supposed to bring up all your stuff because so that you can address it and you can, you know, deal with it, you know. But people, this is what somebody says, you know, they, they're looking there for mishits. You know, they're running from one seminar, from one workshop, from one course to the next, you know, gathering all the certificates because they're on a high. It feels so good. But as soon as they hit real life again, they're out of this controlled environment. You know, they are faced with the same circumstances, with the same problems, with this, with the same demons, because no matter what's going on externally, we, everything happens for us internally. And this is where we have to, you know, clean up first. If mm -hmm. we don't look at what's going on inside of us and don't address it, we're going to keep running and we're not going to get anywhere. What, then, what do you, what kind of recommendations or what suggestions, guidance would you give to somebody who, okay, they've gotten to the phase where they're aware of what they're doing. They have stopped. Let's say they, they're on the snowball and they were somehow able to stop the snowball, but they don't know where to go next. They don't know what to do next. What choice should, should I do? What choice should I make? You know, 
I cannot tell them. They need to find out. Usually it's what this tells them. Self-love, self-worth. It's the heart. That's the heart that talks. You know, it's like, it's very interesting because we always follow the map that is between our ears. But actually, we need to follow the map that is, you know, made from our hearts. See, that's so interesting because when people, you know, people come to me and say, how do I lose weight? Tell, just tell me what to do. Tell me what to eat. Tell me what exercise to do. And I'm, and I'm thinking to myself, it's not necessarily that I, you need to know exactly what to do. Like you have, there has to be some sort of framework, right? And if you're just, like you said, if you're just bouncing from one seminar, one exercise, one program to the next, it's going to be really difficult for you to, for you to actually have the awareness of what you're doing, right? Because like a lot of these people, they're just jumping from, they might just be jumping from one program to the next. So they don't have to think about what to do. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a very, very interesting observation. It really is. And this is when also, you know, you can really see who's really serious and who is just looking for a quick fix because right. there are no quick fixes. We have to work. And again, it comes back down to discipline. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I can't imagine how difficult the protocol with Z was. I don't know how long it took, but I'm sure it was, there was a lot of patience involved, a lot of discipline, a lot of just reflection. I'm sure, I'm sure it was a lot of work, right Z? Oh, yes. And, you know, some days you just you feel like you can't do it or you want to give up. And that's where just taking a step back and realizing that you can do it. You have the skills, you have a support, like you've chosen a community to surround yourself with and to support you and that you love yourself enough and you give yourself enough support. And it's OK. We all make mistakes. You know, sometimes it's 25 minutes one day and 35 minutes the other day, but you're making a commitment to yourself and you're honoring yourself. And I feel that we live in a society sometimes that doesn't let us do this for ourselves. You know, we always want to help the next person. But like they say on the airplane, you have to put your own oxygen mask on before you can help someone else put theirs. So that's really important. That's so, that's so great. It almost seemed like... That man, the way that the message just flowed out of Eve, it did it almost sounded like she's been practicing. She's been wanting to spread this message forever. Like she's just been wanting to <laughs> stand on top of the mountain, and be like, yo, you gotta love yourself. You know, it's not gonna be easy and you're gonna make mistakes, but it will be okay. <laughs> yes. It, it, having that belief that it's gonna be okay and having that openness to building up your own personal toolkit. Because what works for one person is not necessarily going to work for the next person. And you might find 80% of the tools are great and then the other 20% are not for you and that's okay. And I think that making your own practice is something really important. You can learn the, the skills and you can learn a certain way, but we all have to personalize it a little and we have to make sure that it's relevant to us and that we can have that. So there's the discipline. I think the discipline is in there because we stick to it and we've made it our own and there's a buy-in, a personal buy-in. She's well-spoken. Wow. <laughs> glad, I'm glad she's on the program right because, now. You know, she is walking her talk. And this is how you can tell when somebody is doing their practice, when somebody yeah. is looking their fears and their demons in the eye, you know, and just saying, you know, I'm still just like, I love myself enough to do this. So as somebody who, as somebody who's come back from the bottom, right, you've, you fought, I'm sure you fought the, the darkness and the demons when you when you did confront those demons when you were at the crossroads z what 
what, if anything, did you tell yourself to make sure that you stay on the straight and narrow? Well, I, I forgive myself because I know that we're all human. So if there was a day when, you know, I did my practice a half an hour later or a full 12 hours later, I still did it. Like, let's say that life, you know, a pipe burst and I do my practice in the morning, but there was an emergency and I had to deal with it all day because life happens. I would still do my practice that same day and be like, okay, I didn't do it in the morning, but I'm doing it at night and I'm going to do my next practice the next morning and I'm just going to stick with it because I realized how much it really gave me a framework and it really gave me this like thread that was drawing everything together. So I felt like that was really important to me to know that, yes, we can have an optimal situation, but everybody gets derailed at the first sight of something that goes wrong. Like, oh, well, I always practice at nine in the morning and something came up at nine. It is now noon. I can't practice anymore. No, you can still practice. Yes, let's do it. It's nine o'clock somewhere, right? <laughs> exactly. Either it's 9 a.m. or 9 p.m. It's always going to be the <laughs> same time. It's always going to be the same, same time twice in a day. Right. So I just feel like realizing that there are constraints, that we're all human, that we're not perfect, that things don't have to be perfect. We get so hung up on, okay, it has to look like this. My practice has to look like that, or things have to look like this. But no, one day it's going to look one way, the next day it's going to be looking another way. And you did the same practice and you're like, well, why is the outcome different? What was, you know, what did I do that was different? And sometimes you didn't do anything different, but there's external factors that, that can, you know, present themselves to change it, but that's okay. And based off of what you're saying, I can also see how, and this is, I'm a big, I'm a, I'm a pretty big proponent. I won't say that I'm an expert. I'm just, I'm, I'm a follower and I practice stoicism, ancient stoicism quite frequently. And I see a lot of, I, I see a lot of convergence with, Buddhism and Stoicism. And at least from the, I know that, I know that Andrea has a quote from the Dalai Lama. It says, if it can't be solved, there's no need to worry. And if it can't, if it can't be solved, worry is of no use. Well, if it can be solved, there's no need to worry. If it can't be solved, worry is of no use. And I know, I know at least from when I, when I've spoken with some of my clients, um, the, especially the ones who are prone to anxiety, the ones who get anxiety attacks, they tend to want to try to create order out of chaos. Like you were saying, like, to them, they might have a perception of what perfection looks like and they're trying to strive towards perfection, but that perfection might not even exist. Oh, no, it doesn't I, exist. It, so it, it doesn't exist, right? It doesn't. But, I'm a recovering um, perfectionist, I know. Yeah, the only the only the only perfection that's out there is a line you can make with a ruler, or something or something like that, right? Because the ruler's gonna be straight. <laughs> but you know, I I find I find that when people are trying to create so much order out of chaos, I mean, life is chaos, right? I mean, I think oh, it's messy. Life yeah. is messy. One of the core tenets of Buddhism is life is suffering, right? That's one of the core tenets of Buddhism. Buddhism. Well, you know, but I, will, I like what my teacher likes to say, you know, pain is inevitable, but suffering mm -hmm. is optional. Right. And then you also have another quote right before that one. It says, if you are not part of the solution, you are part of the problem. Mm -hmm. Right. And that is so true, you know, because it's about us, you know, again, getting back to the example of the weight loss, right? And your clients, it's just like, mm -hmm. you know, they are the ones 
who need to lose the weight. They are the ones who can control what comes into their mouth. Mm -hmm. They are the ones who can control how much they move. You are not the one, you're not the drill sergeant that is there 24 seven, you know, and really, you know, rationing their food intake or, you know, their exercise, you know, you cannot, you can only for the time that you're together. Yes. You can give them the framework, you can give them the tools, but it's up to them to use them. Mm-hmm. And that's the choice. Do I, ch- I have the knowledge. Do I choose to use that knowledge or do I choose not to end? But then there's a question, am I willing to pay the consequences or not? Right. Because there, even, are, there are always consequences. Right. And even if somebody might not know exactly what piece of knowledge they need, they can find it. You can find, either you work with somebody who does, who does possess that knowledge, or you look it up. Like, look at Google. You could look up literally anything on Google, right? <laughs> You've seen people lose 150, 200 pounds on their own just by researching on Google and going on YouTube all by themselves that there are, you know, self, self-sustaining successes out there. Right. So it's, but then it would be very interesting. What was their pain point? What was their motivation? Because that's what it all comes down to. Why did they stick with it? Right, 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 right. All right. Well, that's good. I, th- I mean, that's pretty, that's the end of the article. And I thought, I thought that was good. I know we, I know we didn't only talk about the article. I think we really, talked a lot about how how in reality empower we are of our own choices and how sometimes we disempower ourselves by giving us uh giving us a false sense of insecurity a false sense of helplessness and fear and defeat and failure whereas as easily as we can probably think we're a failure or something is going in the way that we don't want to, we can probably, we can switch it. We can shift it. It's the mind hijacking us again, telling us a story. That's all that it is. It's a story. It's a belief. It's a story. It's so interesting. How much weight we give it is up to us. Yeah. There, I think there's that, um, there's a I forgot exactly how it goes but I think it's a story about a little boy was asking his grandfather the grandfather was telling the story to this little boy about two wolves right and then something yeah you've heard the story right it's like well which wolf gets bigger right and then the grandfather goes the one you feed the most and those two wolves can represent the voices in our head right exactly the positive ones and then the not so positive ones you know and then again what does it all come down to Energy goes where the attention goes. Yes. (laughs) It all comes down to. Yeah. And it also reminds me of a story where fear goes knocking on the door and the door opens and love is there and love found nothing. No one was there. So that just goes to show you also the relationship between fear and love, right? Interesting. And absolutely. And there's a spiritual tradition. It's not, it's not my spiritual tradition, but you know, the people who study the course in miracles, you know, and it's very simple. Every decision that we make in life comes down to two choices. Do I choose love or do I choose fear? Yeah. Very simple. Yeah. Do you know, have you heard the acronym that a lot of people ascribe to fear? Oh yeah. Which one are you? There are several ones. Which one are you using? Oh. 
Oh, the no. one, the one that I recently, well, the one that I know of is uh, false expectations appearing real. Yes, and there's another one that I like: face everything and rise. Mm. <laughs> Courage. Courage. And what I love about courage too, when you think about the French word of heart, cur, you know, courage means coming from the heart. Interesting. That's and cool. heart energy, scientifically, is one of the strongest energy fields that we have. Interesting. And I'm, gonna, I'm, and I'm going to, I'm going to rope my, I'm going to rope my nutrition into this. If you want a stronger heart or a healthier heart, Look at the CoQ10, especially if you're on a statin, which is a cholesterol lowering medication. <laughs> CoQ, CoQ10 is uh, it's it's one of the very few energy. It's actually it's an antioxidant too. It's one of the preferred energy source for the the muscles of the heart, the the cardiac muscles of the heart. And people who are on cholesterol lowering medications have been found to have lowered levels of this particular antioxidant which can, when you have low levels of this antioxidant, then it can depress your immune system. Don't, we don't really, if we're going to try to relate this to COVID-19, we don't know if it has any sort of beneficial impact towards COVID-19, but there's actually, but research has shown there's absolutely no downside to supplementing with CoQ10. That's my little, <laughs> that's my little shindig yeah. with nutrition. Yeah, and what I, what I like to do, you know, bring it back to mindfulness, you know, and this is also the work that I do, you know, Mindful Monday every Monday morning with the participants is really, you know, to bring them back into the present moment and then to help them focus on the positive, to yeah. find them exactly where they are, to find the positive and to cultivate, you know, those feelings, you know, of joy, gratefulness and love, you know, those feelings that raise our vibration and that strengthen our immune system, you know, instead of staying in that loop of anxiety. Right. And you give us the tools to make the choice. We have a choice. We can get out of the loop of anxiety because yep. you've helped us develop these tools. Yeah. So we're so grateful. That's good. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, that's it. That's it for me. I thought that was, I thought that was good. What did you think, Z? I thought it was excellent.